Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Green grass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. No way. Three, four, three. And now, Bears Etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Sandek. Bears fall to 1-5 with another home loss at Soldier Field. It happened on Sunday against the visiting Minnesota Vikings. Welcome into episode 25 of the Bears Etc. podcast alongside my broadcast partner and Super Bowl winning Bears guard Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Coming up, our weekly visit with Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. And of course, we come to you every Tuesday and Thursday. And we appreciate you listening and hopefully enjoying the shows as much as we are. We'd like to enjoy more wins like we did on uh, Friday after the Washington win. Uh, But back home, Tom, and things did not get off to a great start at Soldier Field from the first snap offensively. And it just lingered then with injuries. And, of course, the Justin Fields would talk about that. Uh, His uh, dislocated thumb, x-rays negative, MRI on Monday. We'll know more as the week goes on. Tom, I don't know if you have any familiarity with thumbs and how they – handle such a thing but it's about the grip of the football and if the man can't grip the football he's not going to play yeah I, I think two uh you know positions the offensive center and the quarterback and you know maybe the best guy to go to is Lucas Patrick because he faced the same injury this year and it is all about grip strength and if you don't have strength in your grip and strength in your hand you can't accurately throw the football and then the worst thing is if you don't have you know, a healthy grip, and then you go a fo- you follow through with your throw, and you should unfortunately hit it on a helmet of one of your offensive linemen or a defensive player, then that could give you a setback that may be unrecoverable. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been ruled out by Matt Eberflus that he could play on Sunday against the Vegas Raiders at Soldier Field, but right now, a doubtful. Uh, they were asking him uh, during the news conference if surgery is a possibility. Uh, would not go down that path. And uh, we'll we'll hear more from Matt in our e- weekly interview here in just a moment. Um, but, you know, you have to prepare for an extended absence. So how that uh, unravels itself is uh, yet to be determined. But right now, all signs point to Tyson Bajant making his first pro start against the Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Uh, how did he acquit himself, in your opinion, after you watched the tape? You know, I think he played well. What he tried to do almost on a couple plays is a little bit too much. The one that he fumbled on, he was able to avoid the first rusher, but they were bringing multiple rushers at him. He has to understand, what are my options? If I have no uh, real viable option downfield, then I got to get outside the tackle box and throw it out of bounds and live to fight the next play. And then when he tried to throw it up in the air at some distance, he really put the defensive players in the advantage and it resulted in an interception. So I believe throughout the course of his uh, quarterback career, he knows not to make those mistakes. And I honestly don't think he'll make those mistakes again. Actually, with a full week's preparation, I'm excited to see him play. I'm glad they have a home game because – he's going to be able to be in control of the rhythm of the offensive play with the cadence that he's going to deliver. So if Justin Fields doesn't play, this is something that Bajan, the reason he's in the NFL, Jeff, and the reason that you saw him at the Senior Bowl is this is his desires in life. 
is to be a quarterback in the NFL. Did he think it would come this soon? Probably not. However, I'm not ex- I'm not surprised it came at all, and I am excited to see what the future uh, brings for him. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Jeff and Tom of the Bears, etc. podcast. So let's listen to some of his teammates who uh, had an experience with him, working on the scout team, working behind the scenes. Here is Deontay Foreman on Tyson Bajan. I think he commended Huddle really well. We've seen his poise and his presence, you know, through training camp, preseason, and, you know, so, and then even at practice, you know, running the scout teams and stuff. So, I mean, he's, I don't think he showed anybody anything different than what we expected him to be. So, you know, just if he does get the, you know, chance to go out there and start, you know, I think uh, everybody will rally behind him and I think he'll handle the, the moment in itself, you know, well. And Foreman obviously had worked with him on the scout team. He got his first significant playing time with the Bears uh, on Sunday. And I'll tell you, I was excited about what I saw from Foreman and the emotion after because he was close to breaking some big runs, as he explained here. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, like, it was my it was my first game in a while. You know, no excuses. I'm just, you know, trying to get my foot and get get everything, get back, you know, to being myself. So, um, you know, just little hiccups yesterday, but uh, definitely some stuff I can clean up. Nothing that I'm really worried about, but uh, you know, just trying to figure out a way to be better. And, Tom, you saw that, too. He was pounding his hand on the turf. He got just tripped up a few times. Uh, maybe with uh, more reps, he'll be able to step out of those tackles. He seemed to gather some momentum as the game went on at running back. And certainly with Khalil Herbert on the injured reserve list and Roshan Johnson uncertain return this week as well after he recovers from a concussion, uh, Deontay Foreman's going to get uh, the lion's share of the carries again. What did you think of his performance, and did you did you understand what he was talking about in some of those near misses? Yeah, you know what? Listen, the running back position travels well. It's not like you need weeks and weeks of time along with your football team. He's been here since the beginning of training camp. He understands every assignment from the running back position. He understands how the offensive line works in front of him. He made some great vision decisions during the his first opportunity to, to play this past week. And like other players in other positions that get multiple weeks to play, I expect more out of them. Because in your description of a lot of those plays, Jeff, he was a trip of the foot away. He was a, a, a tackle around the waist away from breaking it into a big play. And so I think now that Luke Getze has got a little bit of an understanding of, of what Deontay Foreman brings along with his running back style – you can probably put it together a game plan that better fits his abilities. Also now to the protection, because you have uh, very strong knowledge on, on how these things have to handle themselves with a heavy blitz team, and it was over 70% according to extra pressures, according to all the stats out there, that Brian Flores fired at the Bears, and we anticipated that. The Bears anticipated that. Some of it's on Justin. Some of it is on uh, the offensive line. Some of it's on pass protectors, uh, including the running back of the tight end. All, all of it. Everybody had a hand in it, uh, and the Bears have faced multiple pressure package defensive coordinators and play callers like in Tampa Bay, like in Kansas City, and they're going to face an outstanding rusher coming up in Mad Max Crosby against the Raiders. Do you feel more teams that may be not even inclined to bring pressure packages, will they continue to test the Bears until they stop it and come up maybe and do more blitzing than they ordinarily don't? I mean, there's going to be down and distances where they're going to be invited to test the 
blocking ability of the running back position. But now what am I going to do as the running backs coach? I am not going to have my running back sit and absorb the rusher that they're responsible for. If they're responsible for a rusher, I'm going to have them attack. My running back, remember, Jeff, when we were talking about the great Walter Payton block in the Minnesota game? Yep. Walter Payton didn't sit and wait for the rusher to hit him. Walter Payton went and hit the rusher. And so now if you're attacking a rusher, then you're slowing them down immediately because now they're processing information of how they're going to slow you down. And so I think the first thing the Bears should do is allow the running back to attack their response. Responsibility, and I think it would also help the quarterback in providing that extra half a second, three quarters of a second of longer time. All right, time now to listen to, to head coach Matty Bufluss on the status from Hallis as we talk to him each Monday after games. All right, Matt, good to see you once again. Back on the Bears Etc. podcast, and we're brought to you by United. Good news, Chicago. United Airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. All right, so a tough one yesterday. I I said it before, I'll say it again, and it's interesting because you and I talked before the game about – you know, sometimes you, you look at scores and some coaches say, oh, if you hold this team to this, we think we can win. And, and yesterday was a game. The defense the defense deserved to win the game, right? They, they gave up 12 points. Well, you know, when you look at it, you know, obviously it's a, the ultimate team sport. You know, we always talk about playing complimentary football, you know, and then, you know, we had to do a better job of that uh, yesterday. You know, we had to do a really good job of working um, when we do get the takeaway of punching it in for points. And, uh, you know, we do get a punt and pin, you know, to start that third quarter. Uh, we have to come up with points there. You know, seven preferably, but three for sure. Um, but uh, those are the situations where they have uh, – they scored 13 points off of their turnovers, and you know, and we only got – we got zero from ours. So, you know, even in the punt and pin was also – so we have to do a better job there. You know, that's that's complimentary football. But like you said, the defense, you know, did play really well. Um, third down defense was excellent. Uh, I thought we played the run really well again, and uh, you know we're certainly in the top of the league in that in that category. And we just have to again create our own opportunities, you know, to get the takeaways. You know, so when you're plus two or plus one or even even in the game, you got a really solid chance to uh, to win the game. You know, and we got to get there. And uh, again, we were there a couple weeks ago, and we uh, have to do a better job uh, coming up. And you know, we're going to touch on offense here, but it, do you see the growth of the defense has gone? you know, diagonally forward. It really hasn't been like big dips and, you know, it, it's it's just been growing together. And it does it all start with stopping that run because it's been pretty consistent. Even in games when people may have said, ah, oh, you know, you were quick to point out, hey, you know, they only average just many yards per carry. And that's consistently been the case all season. Yeah, and it was good. It was really good. And it could have been better uh, yesterday, but it was in the twos, you know. So that's when you're really solid uh, in there. Uh, really, the D tackles are, uh, start that inside. Um, the edge setters, you know, the defensive ends do a great job of setting that cup inside. You know, and then the linebackers, you know, and the secondary pieces, they have to all play a part of it, you know. So it takes all of us to stop the run. And it puts you in good distances, you know. So that's what it always – we always say, it, you know, you earn the right to rush the passer. Um, and you do that by playing good run defense on first and second down. So meaning that if you got a first down play and they run the football and it's second and nine, you know, then it's, you know, a high pass, you know, for a lot of people. You know, and if it's second and nine, you know, then you, you do a great job. If they run the ball, you stop the run again. Now you get them in a third and seven plus, And then you know that it's, you know, going to be 
you know, high probability of being a, a drop back pass. They got to, you know, take a little bit more time. And uh, that gives our guys a chance to get home on the sacks, you know, in the pressures. Do you feel, and maybe your grades reflect it, but I'm, I'm asking because uh, just through my eyes, did the linebackers as a trio have their best game of the yeah, season? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, the, the one thing that was, was missing there was, you know, uh, the impact plays. You know, so you saw the impact plays that, that T.J. Edwards made, you know, Tremaine made, you know, Sanborn made, you know, a bunch of TFLs, a couple of TFLs, and did a really nice job there. So all three of those guys played really well. Um, you know, we worked on with the whole defense, um, you know, in, in tackling, you know, and in angles, you know. So we call it the cup, you know. So there's a force player that's an outside-in player. You know, there's, there's a pursuit player that's inside out, and then there's an apex player that's over the top. So basically forming a triangle on the ball. And we really worked on that during the week, um, during drill work, you know, during the, uh, the team periods, and it paid off for us. You know, we only had five missed tackles in the game, um, so our angles were way better. And, uh, again, we want that number to be under five every single game, and uh, we're working to improve that, and we did. And some of those uh, space plays where a guy's one-on-one with somebody, there's that thigh tackling going on. Has it been really good in your opinion? Better. It's yeah. been better, yeah, for sure. I thought our vision and break, you know, what that means is that, you know, I'm dropping into a zone and, you know, we played some man yesterday, but, of course, we played some zone, too. And, and that's meaning that you're set up in your drop, your vision, the quarterback, and then you break on the ball. So if you look at that, if you want to measure that, so if the quarterback throws the ball 15 yards in the air, we should get one-third the distance of break. So we should be able to break five yards when the ball's in the air. So we can measure that. We show the players that. And that's an important piece to, to having a successful defense. I'm oversimplifying it, but can – one snap, especially the first snap of the game, kind of spoil the stew when you're talking about pressure. Can it, can it impact a game significantly? No different than Thursday night, last Thursday night, when you, 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 you kind of set the tone with a deep throw to Mooney. It didn't connect, but you're, hey, we're here. To, we're going to put the ball in the air. Can the same thing happen to a quarterback and an offense on one snap? Um, I don't think so. No? No, I really don't. I think it's cycle of the snap. I think you move on. You know, if you have a positive play, that's 40-yard chunk play. That's that's great, but you got to move on to the next play because then you're trying to score. If you have a negative play, that's a minus seven on the first one. Okay, um, there, there was a mistake made. Um, either the protection wasn't right or, or the delivery of the ball wasn't correct, but then you got to move on. You know, it's like anything. you got to you know, play one snap at a time, move on to the next. What was your opinion of um, how that pressure was handled over? On that one? No, the whole the, the day. The well, day. The day? Yeah, uh, yeah it, it certainly needs to be better. Um, it wasn't it wasn't where uh, as tight as we wanted it to be for sure. Um, you know, we made some uh, some some mistakes there, uh, but we certainly got to do a better job of uh, overall as an offense. Again, it's not just one guy; um, it's always all eleven of us uh, getting that job done. So, given the injury that you don't know everything about yet, are you optimistic? In terms of the long term for Justin Fields, we're not just talking about Sunday against the Raiders. Uh, or are you concerned? Well, we'll see where it is. Like I said, you know, you know, obviously he did dislocate his thumb. Um, he got the X-ray, which was negative. Well, that's a positive thing. And he got an MRI, and we'll see where it is. You know, relative to his grip strength at the end of the week. Um, you know, right now for this week, you know, we think it's doubtful um, that he would become come back that fast. But again, he's a fast healer. We'll see where it is. Everything we saw from Tyson Bajan that you saw from. Inside, we're watching just some preseason snaps in practice. It seemed to be evident that, yep, yeah, uh, and the way players responded after the game talking about him. Uh, huddle confidence, poise, it's all there. There were breakdowns, obviously, and things that didn't go well. But was that a picture of what you saw all 
all the time he's been here. Yeah, yeah, and again, he's earned his his opportunity. You know, he's created that himself, and uh, you know, once he settled in, you know, he he looked, you know, looked good. You know, he he showed some promise there, and uh, we're excited to see where it goes. You know, again, if Justin, you know, is out this week, it'll, it'll be exciting uh, opportunity for him. And one of the quick, you know, the quick release and. Uh uh, you mentioned many times just his ability to diagnose and his knowledge is uh, evident of a guy who's played a lot of football. It may have been a Division two, but he's played a lot of football. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the record in NCAA for touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, so he's he's thrown a lot of passes, and uh, it's an it's an important, um, you know, for us to, you know, create that opportunity, um, you know, in terms of getting the ball to the skill, you know, for him. And I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's accurate, his, his rhythm timing's good, and, you know, he's got uh, really good uh, ability to get the ball out fast. You know, this is just being a, a, not, a guy who didn't get to play the game, but I was nervous for him because, you know, you forget that he is an NFL player, that he earned his right as a backup quarterback based on your evaluations of him as a, as a coaching staff. But he's a Division two quarterback, a rookie going up against that defense that was bloodthirsty yesterday, coming with six, seven, whatever, how many pressures they had in the game. And uh, you're like, oh, gosh, can he handle this moment? Did that say a lot about him? Yeah, I would say so. You know, we, he's always been poised. Um, you know, he's always had, you know, you know, great demeanor, you know, in the pocket, in the huddle. And, uh, you know, he showed that yesterday, you know. And, again, again it started out a little bit, you know, a dicey at first. But, again, he settled in. And uh, he showed his poise and, uh, you know, had some nice passes, and I thought he operated the offense nice. All right. Let's uh, – you added uh, d- a defensive coach, senior analyst, Phil Snow. Yep. Uh, people who follow the game know he's had a ton of experience in the college game. Um, I believe he's at Baylor, right? He, he play, he's coached a lot of places. Yes. But yeah. how did you get to meet him, and, and what will this do for you? Yeah, he's uh, most recently the defense coordinator at Carolina yeah. Panthers. Um, you know, he's worked in the pro game. Uh, he's worked in the college game. You know, he's been a coordinator at all levels. And uh, he's going to be a, a senior defensive analyst for us, and he's going to work in-house in the office uh, for us and give us a summary of the next opponent. You know, So he's always going to be advancing the week ahead, and that's a, a, an important piece for us because it'll enable us to get ahead you know, game planning-wise early in the week. Um, with him giving us his expertise in the summary of those things, meaning that, you know, a first and second down run, first and second down pass, you know, you know, what does he see? How are we going to, how, how should we attack this offense, you know, with coverage, you know, with front, you know, with pressure and, uh, you know, what's the best way to go about that, you know, in his opinion. And then we'll just, you know, bounce our ideas off each other and, and he'll, he'll go through third down red zone, two minute, you know, all the various situations. So, and again, he's not going to be at the games. Um, he's not going to have a headset on during the game. He won't be at the game. So he's always going to do the advancing for us as we go. And, again, he'll be here uh, during the course of the week. So uh, for those who don't know this, there's a pro scout that does it every week for the entire uh, team and special teams every week while they work in concert together. Yes, a they will. Bit. Yes, we have a great scout, advanced scouting staff that's part of our personnel department. And they're, they're really advancing us in terms of, you know, they go, you know, they're allowed to go to the games yeah. and all those things. So they tell us, you know, the no huddle and the operation of the offense, and then and details really about every guy on and the, the roster. Personnel. Yeah. Exactly. So that's their expertise, and they talk about each guy, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and uh, you know where that particular player is. All right, I want to switch to Valus Jones. Uh, I saw him in the locker room Friday before the game, and he had this. Look. I go, hey man, I wish I wish they'd give you a chance. I wish they'd kick it to you, you know. And he goes, keep an eye on this game. So I was I was waiting for it, and then line drive kick to start the game, and he has a, a big thirty plus yard return. He had a thirty seven a thirty one. Got involved in the offense. And, you know, I'm looking at him without a shirt off on Friday. Right? And he is a 
thick. You don't realize just how thick and big this guy is. A guy who has almost a running back type body. And um, was that encouraging to you to see? You could feel his explosiveness and all that. Is there room here for, for growth? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we like uh, like to get Velas going um, in the offense, you know, doing the things that he, he does well. You know, and then really the kick return game is, is, is you know, his specialty. So um, it was exciting to see that. Again, to get a, a first down, you know, or, or so before for our offense and get the field position there, which is which is always good. And, again, Cairo had another good game. Yeah. You know, Cairo continues to play really well. Um, you know, Trenton had a nice little punt and pin in there. So there were some impactful plays made by the special teams uh, during that game. And you're really uh, not getting very few special teams penalties, you know, which are killers. You know, yeah, I know no you're doubt. big. You're big on the penalty thing to begin with. Yeah, we had five total yesterday. You know, they yeah. they called the one on Cody uh, for the false start and the short yardage. We end up converting on that third and five anyway. But uh, you know, they called him for moving the ball forward a little bit. So again, that's uh, we'll see where that is. We'll turn that in and see what they say. I guess the offensive line is just going to be. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Have you ever been a part of so much change? Yeah, it's been a lot of change, uh, no doubt. And again, that's uh, you know the guys have, you know, been experience that play in different positions because where we were in training camp you know we had a lot of guys out there in training camp so Jatari's had some work you know uh, Cody's had work at center and guard you know Lucas's had work at center and guard so we're able to you know move those guys around best way we can all right let's look at the Vegas Raiders real quick uh, coming in uncertainty about their quarterback too doesn't sound like it's a serious injury but may not mean a start for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, Brian Hoyer finished up yesterday the week before though Stevenson High School's very own Aiden O'Connell. Um, I'm sure you looked at uh, him in the draft, too, during that process of evaluation out of Purdue. He started in week four, so I, I guess it's the unknown, but uh, Devontae Adams is there, so that, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a guy that you gotta you got to cover. Yeah, every week's, you know, a different set of circumstances here, and, you know, we'll get game planning this, uh, you know, coming up today here shortly, and uh, we'll see where it is, but uh, we're, we're, our, our eyes are forward looking yeah. to Vegas, and uh, – you know, it's, it's going to be an important time here Monday, Tuesday, to put a good good game plan together. You always uh, notice great pass rushers, Mac Crosby, from yep. your experience. So yeah, he's just say. a hard-charging guy, and he's, uh, you know, everything that, that football stands for. You know, he's he's a great player, uh, works extremely hard in practice because, um, you know, Travis, uh, our D-line coach, coached him. That's right. That's you know, right. and he's, Travis he's, Smith. he's a special guy and uh, certainly creates a lot of pressure. All right, good luck with your preparation. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, a couple things. Uh, that we touched on. One is the addition now of a senior defensive analyst, Phil Snow, coming in from uh, his uh, days with the Carolina Panthers as a defensive coordinator, heavy college experience as well. Baylor, many other colleges, got over 40 years of experience. It'll be as an advanced guy to kind of complement what the pro department is doing. The pro scouts do advanced work every w- single week. They go to the games of the, of the next opponent. And so this is another helping hand for Matt Eberflus to tend to other matters as well. You think it's a good idea? I do. But, you know, Matt said he's excited to tap into his knowledge, how he sees things after he does scouting. And I think, look, if you're going to talk to a knowledgeable football person that has decades of experience at the college and pro level, 
Maybe he's the guy that can feed you a little bit of an idea that say, hey, you know, I've used this in my past and these are the experiences that I've gone through. So he's not going to come in here and change the philosophical thinking of Matt Eberflus. What he's going to do is he's going to come out there, scout the opponents and tell you what they do well and where their susceptibilities are. So look at another smart guy in the room is never going to slow the process. Matt's a smart defensive coach himself, and I think that having another guy on hand that he's comfortable with will benefit the team in the long run. Uh, we also learned that Nate Davis has a high ankle sprain. Those are, you yep. know, it's it's week to week, but those those are going to last a, a little bit, aren't they? It is, you know, because, you know, you talk about a big guy and how important your feet and the push and the ability to condition and everything you need to do in order to do your job as a movable offensive lineman. You got to be healthy and you got to be confident in your push and your retreat and your pulling ability. And again, the continuous conditioning that you need uh, as the season winds on. So I'm super disappointed for Nate because I thought he and Darnell had an opportunity to develop something special on the right side. Yeah, Darnell right at right tackle. Jatari Carter, the likely man to move in at right guard. Uh, Vizzy Hart Seltzer, the official Hart Seltzer of the Chicago Bears. And the rookie, Terrell Smith, of all things, has mono, Tom. He's going to be out three to four weeks. You know, I, I the status... The status of Hallis. When you said that at the beginning, I was going, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting so many, Nuggets. you know, negative issues. However, when you talk about mononucleosis, and I've never had that in my life. You oh, know, here I am 60 plus years old and I've never gone through that. So I really don't know what he's experiencing. So, however, I'm disappointed in the young man because he's really opened a lot of eyes about a guy that you'd like to continue to cultivate his talents and now he'll be out for a period of time and probably away from the building, and it's super un unfortunate this time. No, Tommy, it, it's massive fatigue. Your spleen gets swollen. That's a dangerous thing if it gets hit in a game or hit anywhere. You know, and that, if that, you know, bursts or whatever, that's that's a bigger issue. So that's the story on Terrell Smith. But, but since you've had it, so the recoverability of that, sickness is it your conditioning is going to take longer because it is extreme fatigue is it the heavy breathing that you go through when you are fatigued what is well i, mean, I think it's the spleen the spleen is the number one that's really? the number okay. one so it's probably contact but yeah i mean i had it when i was younger so i can't uh, compare it to, the, to a, a professional athlete right now but yeah, yeah. yeah. defense was terrific we touched on that at, at great details you heard from coach eberflus and to me as I mentioned to, to Coach, it, it seems like it's been incrementally growing, and they're growing in confidence. Could this team become defensive dominant right now while we sort things out again offensively with uh, potentially here a new quarterback for several weeks? You know, Jeff, if they continue to play supportive football like they did against the Vikings and they did against Washington – for example, it's the the cause fumble by T.J. Edwards that we both thought it was a sack and a, a you know a sack and then an interception. You know, it's the play initially made by T.J. Edwards, but then it's Tremaine Edmonds that understands the flight of the football and goes after it. It's another play later in the game where T.J. Edwards makes an initial hit for a four-yard loss, but then he's got three other teammates that are coming in making sure that they're surrounding the running back, and it's, it is a stop for a four-yard loss. So I think that football, that it's a supporting cast effort, it can be super destructive. And if they keep that up, um, I, I think they – 
it, it can be the best part of the football team. Right now, when you spend over $2,999 at Steinhoffels, you'll score a $100 Bears Pro Shop gift card. Visit any one of their four Chicagoland locations, Vernon Hills, Crystal Lake, Downers Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. Well, do you think the Bears are going to do at the center position, and how do they um, get better at snapping the football? If they're comfortable with the relationship between uh, Bajan and Lucas Patrick, they could probably go in that direction because, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to do a little more investigative work with Jatari Carter. Is he the guy that you want to go to for the however long Nate Davis misses, or do you want to put Cody Whitehair in their right guard? Hmm. So, you know, I think if you look at a right-handed man like Cody Whitehair in a right-handed stance playing next to a guy like Darnell Wright, I think he could go in there and give you as confident, strong guard play as anybody else. So I, I think that's a decision they have to make. They're super fortunate that um, Doug Kramer is getting back in the practice fold after his hand injury in case you had to go to the next level at center. But they also have Dan Feeney, who is a guy that can play any interior position. And if you're looking to see who is the best shotgun snapper in this offense, maybe it's between Lucas Patrick and Dan Feeney even that Cody can stay at the offensive guard position. But – how much under center work are they going to do with uh, Badgett or how much shotgun are they going to do with him? So I think that's a decision that they have to come to that conclusion that would go through the eyes of Luke Getze to Chris Morgan and all the offensive of coaches. Uh, are there any other things that we haven't talked about? Those are kind of the headlines from the game. The fact is the Bears are now 1-5. They've lost so many games in a row at home. It's been a, a long while since week three uh, against Houston that they've won a game. What else do you see on tape that is either something concerns you or something that you're excited about moving forward? I want to talk about some encouraging things. First of all, they asked Matt Eberflus today about the status of Braxton Jones, and he was non-committal to anything. But I'm really encouraged by the way Brax or um, Larry Borm has been playing, because you didn't know that how he was going to play at the left tackle position until that he had to go in after the injury. He had a week to practice, and he's played well. They really haven't skipped a beat in terms of on on that side of the offensive line. I'm also encouraged by the multiple levels of use by Valus Jones Jr. Because I kind of was like disinterested in Valus for a little while. But okay, Valus, you got my interest again. I want you to continue to show me what everybody said about you since the moment that you were drafted, opening up with the 37-yard kickoff return, going for a 17-yard sweep. The first pass caught by Bajent was Valus Jones Jr. So – because of those efforts, Jeff, I'm going to probably give him probably five to six more touches, and that would be including giving him the ability to make a decision on kickoff return. I'm going to give him a couple of other plays at the running back position. I'm going to have him be a receiver because he's probably got more reps in practice with Bajent than the starters do. So, Valus, you're on notice, man. I'm happy with what you did, and I – going to raise my expectations for you yeah definitely talked about it with coach Flus in that interview uh we're brought to you by pnc official bank of the bears got a question about it just popped into my head because we so she's so much shotgun out there her cousins got under center quite a bit against the bears 
what where are you at for this team, this offense from under center versus shotgun? And would you favor more under center snaps? You touched on it already a little bit, but what's your thought? Listen, I, I'm not a big fan of a standstill running back from a shotgun position next to the quarterback because there's a lot of indication of exactly where the point of attack is going to be, where he's going to run to if he's on one side. Now, if you have a quarterback that takes a center quarterback exchange from underneath the center, there's an intersection, right? The quarterback is dropping back and the running back already has his momentum going forward. So he has a head start as he hits the line of scrimmage. Now he's able to hit the point of attack with a little bit more oomph, a little bit more power. And maybe that allows you to bounce off an attempted arm tackle and go from a two-yard carry to a five-yard carry. Look, one of the greatest running backs in the history of football, Walter Payton, made a living out of running out of an I formation escorted by a great fullback, um, Roland Harper and Matt Suey and Calvin Thomas. So to me, bring back of the old school and bring back a little bit more running start, running back effort. And I think that you'll also provide a point of attack running game with your offensive line uh, that can get you that, you know, that average, that four plus yards of carry that can earn time of possession, scoring field position and wins. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. All right, let's take a look at the Vegas Raiders before our our big breakdown later on in the week. Uh, Don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Jimmy Garoppolo went to the hospital, back injury. It sounds like it's not as bad as they feared, whatever that may be. However, he could still miss this game. So we don't know if it's Brian Hoyer. We don't know if it's Aiden O'Connell, the kid out of Stevenson High School in the fourth-round pick out of Purdue. Uh, But we do know this. Devontae Adams will be on the field. Jalen Johnson, the veteran corner, on awaiting that matchup. I think I've been saying this, what is this, 23? I've been saying this for three years now. So, I mean, they know, you guys know, They Devontae knows that, those are the matchups I want at the end of the day, and it's nothing that's changed. I mean, I got put into that my second year into the league, so it's definitely not changing my fourth year into the league. I want any and every big matchup I can get. So, I mean, they, they know what I what I want, and at the end of the day, it's not truthfully about what I want. So, I mean, if that's something that they feel is in the best interest of the team and the best interest of the defense, I'm going to go out there and continue to do what I do and play at a high level no matter who's in front of me. And if they have me follow, if they don't, I mean, it doesn't change for me. But I'm definitely looking forward to to that matchup, and if I can follow him around, it's even better. And I like the competitive attitude. This ain't Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. <clears throat> this is Devontae Adams possibly with Brian Hoyer. And so if you could take the template of game plan against Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders, attack, attack, attack. Bring multiple-level blitzes. Bring corner blitzes. You make Brian Hoyer be – how old is he, 40? No, he's, he's not 40. He's uh, not however, 40. He's in his 30s. I, hey, but it I'm could be a, it could be the rookie Aiden O'Connell also. Even so. Yeah. I mean, listen, so why I mean, if you want to bring in a guy with years of experience from multiple teams like Brian Hoyer who's, you know, hasn't that been able to stay healthy throughout a whole season or you want to bring in a rookie quarterback although he came from a really sophisticated program at Purdue and I I think he's a good football player. I still would attack the line of scrimmage from multiple angles and multiple levels, and we've seen it uh, improve over the last couple weeks. And if you want to 
or like we talked about earlier in the show, if you want to have the defense the most important part of your football team right now and give you the best chance to succeed, you got to be aggressive. And do you suppose the same will be coming from the Raiders defensively for Tyson Bajan? I do, but a lot of it's going to become a balanced rush. It, like you talked about, Mad Max Crosby, that guy's legit. He's a fighter. He's a he can. If you want to put a tight end on a tackle on him, he's quick enough to avoid both of them, slap by him, and still get pressure on the quarterback. And now having the quarterback look for an escape opportunity, he can close that distance. So when you have a dominant pass rusher then there's always a balance to your pass blocking that you're going to have to pay attention to. And, uh, and it was something like that. If he plays over the right tackle a majority of the time, then Larry Borum's going to be have some isolated one-on-ones. All right, let's talk about some other things around the league before we wrap things up. Uh, so uh, congrats to the International Federation of American Football. They have managed to uh, put in place flag football in the 2028 Summer Games in L.A. And you know who wants to play? He's I not, do. He's not joking around. <laughs> well, you can maybe you'll be teammates with Gronk because Gronk says, "Sign me up." Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> How awesome would that be to play flag football? You right. know, you 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 think a guy is you know like you Terrell Owens? He wants to always play. Chad Hutch or Chad Johnson always wants to play. You know, when we saw Devin Hester out there the other day, I'm sure that. He could catch a pass and, you know, return a ball with the excitement that he's always had. So um, I, I think it's a it's great, and it's going to be super fun to watch. Uh, Panthers are winless. Frank Reich uh, handing over the play calling offensively to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. Thoughts on that as they try and work out of their funk with a rookie quarterback? I, I, I don't know why they ever hand that to somebody else. Um, you're the head coach, you have years of experience in the plays that you're calling. They're just not working because you're not a super talented team as of yet. You're developing a young quarterback. He may be undersized, but he needs time. And, uh, I remember Ditka handing the play calling duty to Greg Landry and only halfway through the game, he grabbed the play sheet away <laughs> from Greg Landry and started calling the plays oh, again. Gosh. So Sometimes that necessarily doesn't last for the end, the rest of the season. All right. Uh, I saw this on Twitter, or the X, whatever you want to call it. Um, we talk about one-score games all the time. We talk about the Vikings were 11, 11 wins in one-score games last year, got their first one this year against the Bears in a 20-13 to 13 win on Sunday. Since 2007, the one team that has played in more one-score games, 2007, 153 the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tom, and no team has a higher winning percentage in such games than the Steelers. Uh, whoever wrote this up says, win close, win ugly, win late, just win. That's Pittsburgh's philosophy. It should be everybody's. Listen, you know, the the best thing about a team that has that one-win history is when you are down by that one score, then you have a, the last possession of the football, and then you take it down and turn it into the points that result in a win. That is so gratifying inside of a locker room. It gives you so much confidence and belief that you can come back from anything. Uh, it's it's a heck of a statement for, for that team. All right, we know Tom's a great cook, and I got I to gotta give him a big thank you because before our TV show, Game Night Live on, on Fox, I stopped over at his pad downtown, and he, he served me a Mississippi pot roast sandwich. 
on a homemade bun with spicy coleslaw. And I got to tell you, it might be spicy the, creamy coleslaw. It might be the best sandwich I've ever eaten. And it was it was a nice big sandwich just overflowing with flavor, overflowing with just just pure love. That was something I, I just I got to tell you, that sandwich is unique. I've had it before when we went up to Green Bay, right? We went up to Green Bay yep. and I ate that, no, but Minnesota. this was different. Oh, it was Minnesota. This is yep. different. This is, a, it was on a different level. And I saw, I saw Tom lay it all out and make it all up for me. And that, I mean, that's, that's, that's brotherhood right there. That's uh, brotherhood. My mom would be proud. My, and I, my mom would be proud. And my sister asked me today, if you liked it, did I and like I said, it? Yeah, I, I, I thought Annette, yes. Annette, I'm blasting it through the microphone. It was fantastic. I can't wait to eat it again. And I know I have a little leftover they sent me with. Who does that, right? Who gives you a nice sandwich, has a unique name, a Mississippi pot roast sandwich with creamy, spicy close coleslaw, and then he gives you a little extra. But I'm missing the coleslaw. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I wish I I'm still going to enjoy it tonight for dinner, so. A you big, know, a big tip we'll of the cap. Some type of charity dinner, and I'll do all the cooking and oh. preparation, and you know, we'll we'll have it for you know a group of special people somehow. Quite the recipe, quite tender. The meat was tender, and the flavor was popping. All right, Tom, that's it for the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to sign up for your podcasts, and that's YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you check us out. Bear down, everybody. 